Welcome to Series 5 of York Hospital Ball. Clayton Donaldson needs little introduction to York City supporters following two superb seasons at the club, where his raw pace, power and prolific goal-scoring record made him a firm fan favourite. Clayton went on to have a stellar career representing the likes of Birmingham in the Championship and Jamaica on the international stage, but it was with the Minstermen that Clayton's career really took off and here talks about his affection for the club. This series is proudly sponsored by Planning Prospects, who are town planning and development consultants who specialise in obtaining planning permissions for their clients across the country. If you have land or property where you want to get planning permission, then they may be able to help. For more information, then please visit their website, planningprospects.co.uk. If you enjoy these podcasts, then please consider making a donation no matter how big or small, to justgiving.com slash yorkhospitalradio. Justgiving.com slash yorkhospitalradio. They really do make a huge difference. But for now, please enjoy the thoughts and insights of the brilliant Clayton Donaldson. Delighted to speak to you, Clayton, and thought we'd start right back on the 23rd of June 2005 when you signed for York City. The club was coming off two really poor seasons, some financial issues, whereas you were quite sought after an impressive loan spell at Harrogate and top scoring for Hull's reserves. So how did Billy actually sell the club to you? Yeah, well, it was my youth team manager at the time, Billy Russell, uh, who actually sold me Billy McCune to me, actually, because I think he worked with Billy McCune. I think he managed when he was at Rotherham or something like that. They were still good friends, so it was my youth team manager that kind of persuaded me to go to to meet Billy McEwen actually so it was all from him really and then obviously Billy McEwen once I met him you know he could speak for England like the way he wanted to play his football and, and what he was saying really so and that kind of ticked the boxes but yeah it was my youth team manager that kind of got the ball rolling I mean you settled in really quickly I think the fans took to you almost straight away but you didn't score for the first five games and then you got an amazing solo goal against Cambridge where you pretty much got it in your own half and ran all the way to the goal and what do you remember about that goal and did you feel any pressure not scoring for the first five games yeah I remember going into that game um, and someone reminded me that I haven't scored yet and it was quite a few games going. I just knew once I got that first one it would just get rolling really. It was just getting that first one and yeah I remember, I remember the goal and like it was yesterday. Yeah I was definitely pleased with it. Like I said I ran for my own half and managed to squeeze it under the under the goalkeeper as well so it was, it was it was nice to get off the mark and your first goal is always the, the toughest one to get because you got you always put so much pressure on yourself to do well and you know when you go five games without a goal the pressure starts to mount on top of you but I was always confident that I would, I'd get goals. It was just getting that first one and to get that first one in, in that way everything else got forgotten after that yeah because that shows a lot of self-confidence doesn't it that you're five games without a goal and then to get the ball in your own half and not just sort of lay it off and, and yeah. play it safe you know, must have had a lot of self-belief right from a young age I guess to, to sort of even just do something like that yeah, I was new. Like I could always rely on my pace, and that's one thing. One of my main assets really is my pace, and I always always try to use that. And that was the one situation where I got the opportunity to knock it and, and keep going really. And, and I just felt, you know, once I knocked it the first time, I was going to get away, and there was no no one there to catch me. So I've always had the belief in my ability to score goals. It was just getting that first one out of the way really and then I'd be able to settle down because you, you do feel a little tension when you don't score for a few games and definitely ease, ease the tension when I got that first goal. Well, well, you certainly did settle down and I think you went on to score in six consecutive games. You got nine goals in eight games and, and you had a real sort of deadly partnership with Andy Bishop. Was that a natural partnership or did you work on things in training together? I think it was more natural to be honest. He was a natural goal scorer and so was I really. So it kind of just worked straight away. You know, I worked off him and he worked off me as well. It worked quite well. Like I say, 
is when you've got two natural goal scorers up top and defenders don't know which one to mark, so it made it difficult for them and made it easier for us. Yeah, and one of the highlights of your first season for me was it was the Scarborough game, uh, the derby game on Boxing Day. I mean, I know you've, you've since played in the second City derby and the Edinburgh derby, but what's your memories of that game? And, and looking back, you scored a great volley, again, set up by Andy Bishop, and you celebrated with a mascot. It looked like you were really enjoying your football at that time. Yeah, it was like it was, it was a big game, like I say, a local derby at the time. And I wasn't really involved in derbies, you know, in my career. That was my first really derby that I was involved with where I was playing. And, you know, the, the fans wanted to, wanted to win so much. And like I say, once, once I got that goal in that game, I just wanted to celebrate with the fans. And it, luckily, the mascot was there first, so I was, I was celebrating with him. But no, it's, it's, um, it was a big fixture for us at Scarborough. And, you know, just to score against them was, it was a great feeling. I was enjoying my football at the same time, scoring goals as well. So I was you know, full of confidence going to, into that game. And incredible. You and Andy, I think, contributed to 40-plus goals in the team. And the team scored more goals than Hereford, who came second. But, but you fell short of the playoffs. Was that frustrating as a forward? It was because we felt we did enough to get promoted, just to miss out um, the way we did. It was was a bit of a blow to be honest. Obviously, personally, I did well, but you know, as as a as a player, you want to be playing as high as possible. And you know, once we was thereabouts in the, in the season, we, we thought we'd be able to uh, nick it in and get promoted. But it wasn't meant to be, and it was like I say, it was disappointing to, to miss out in that way, con- considering how many goals we scored. And, and although the team fell short, you, you must have been delighted. You started every single league and cup game. You had eighteen goals, and you got Player of the Year, and, and you were all this just you know you were just twenty two years of age. Yeah, Billy showed a lot of confidence in you, didn't he? You must have felt a real satisfaction going into that summer. Yeah, it was like I say, when when a manager has that confidence in, in a player, and you you as a player you know you're going to be playing a week in week out, it just makes your game so much easier. You're playing a lot more relaxed. You don't feel like if you miss opportunity then you won't be playing the next game it wasn't that that wasn't the case so that mindset changed once I knew I was going to be playing and performing and made my game easier so to speak and like I say Billy Billy McCune always put his, his, his arm around me as well saying look I, I missed quite a few chances I could have maybe got 30 40 goals um, but he was just saying just keep doing what you're doing and you know you're, you're going in the right direction and that gave me all the belief to, to carry on and, and have the season that, that I did have You mentioned that, that really good partnership with Andy Bishop but he left that summer did, did you feel more responsibility or did Billy put more responsibility onto you to score more goals and sort of be the main man yeah I think once he left that was it all the eyes turned to me and it was a, it was a pressure that I relished because like I say I had a good previous season so I felt you know why not be able to to do that again in the next season and maybe push on even further so once you have a good season you always have confidence going into the next season regardless of who stays and who leaves but all the eyes was on me to try and capitalise or get the goals that Bishop got on you know trying to get double figures and in that way but Billy always said, look, you know, you, you don't even need to score. If you're contributing in any other way, I'm happy. And that's the, any striker's dream, really, is not to feel pressured to score. But as long as you're contributing to the team, then, then it's happy. And, and I was doing a lot more than that. Yeah, and it's good, isn't it, that, that Billy kind of didn't put that added pressure on you, I suppose, by saying you, you know, you're contributing to the team. But did, did you personally, or, or do you personally, set goal targets for yourself being a striker yeah I think as a striker you want to be if, you, if you're playing regularly you want to be you want to be hitting double figures I think that's the that's the main target if you can get double figures as a striker if you're playing enough because sometimes you might not play as, as, as much as, as often as you like you'll be in and out you can't get that form then obviously it, you know you're not going to have that much opportunity to get to double figures but if you think you're playing regular football you know football then I think double figures is, should be your first target and then build on from there one of the players that, that Billy did sign was Martin Wolford who, who 
went on similar to yourself, had a, a really good career in the football league. When someone like him, who's a winger and, and quite creative, are, are you kind of like rubbing your hands thinking that, you know, I can get a lot lot more goals here because, you know, the amount of assists that he can bring to the team. I wonder what it was like when you first oh, saw yeah. him in training. Yeah, when we signed Mike Wolfe, and like I said, when we seen him in training, I knew straight away that was, that was it. That was something we was missing. And pressure kind of lifted off of me because he would draw the defenders to him because, you know, he was, he was good on the ball, good running with the ball and he could take players on. So it was less work for me and more work for him. And like, I was able to more get on in the end of those chances that he would create, which made it a lot easier for me. And we obviously had a Mark Convey as well. Um, he assisted quite a few of my goals. You know, we had a, we had a good relationship. I had a good relationship with him and he was vital to, to the way I played because he would always look for me and find me straight away over the, over the top. You mentioned about getting into double figures sort of as a minimum target and, and you've scored 15 goals before Christmas that year. Clubs were, were doing more than sort of starting to take notice. Do you know as a player if, if a club sort of scout is is in the crowd and does that have extra pressure as well if you do know that they're there watching you? Yeah, you, you get told by your agent or a friend that knows that team or whatever. You always get told um, if someone's watching you. If you're scoring goals then you are going to be noticed and you are going to be watched. So it is that extra pressure. Once you, once you find out some certain scouts or the people in the, in the stadium but that's watching it at a certain game you do feel a little pressure like you feel like you have to perform and, and show them that you are good enough to, to make that step up and can you can go either way thrive with the pressure or you, or you, or you crumble and, and the club rejected a lot of bids for you didn't they uh, did, yeah. did that unsettle you were you frustrated because you'd, you'd scored a lot of goals at this point and, I, and I'm sure no York City fan would ever be good you of playing a higher level and, and earning more money in what is a short career were you frustrated that those bids kept getting knocked back I was, to be honest, at the time, yeah, because I felt like gave quite a bit to York and, you know, I thought they would be able to give me a little bit back, even if it was like a, a pre-contract for them for next year, just to secure that the offers that was that was offered at the time. I thought there was good offers, over 200 plus grand or something that was on the table as well. So it's, it was like, well, I feel like it was an offer that they could, maybe could have accepted at the time, but they felt I was worth a lot more maybe, or they wanted to squeeze a bit more out. They might have got a bit more eventually, but obviously... There was a loophole in Scotland with the Hibernian situation that kind of threw everything under the water. Yeah, and I was just going to come on to that. But was it difficult for you to... I felt that you were sort of stuck in the middle of it, really. There was a bit of a debate about your agent setting up the deal with Hibs and, and York were obviously disappointed that they were going to get no money. Did that make things awkward for you? Because you were almost like the pawn in the middle, weren't you there, really? That, yeah. No, a lot of those negotiations, I imagine, were nothing to do with you and, and you just want to play at the highest level that you can. It did make it difficult for me. Um, I just wanted to... I went into the manager's office and said, look, I just want to be kept in the loop. I know there's some teams um, interested and in put bids in. I just want to know where I stand. And nothing was getting said or I, was, I wasn't getting told anything. And I didn't want to come to the end of the season where I was still under contract compensation-wise. So it was all in their hands and they was kept keeping everything close to the chest. I just wanted to be kept in the loop. So I wasn't told anything. I was told that, I think one time I was told that I wouldn't be going anywhere. The offers weren't acceptable and I just felt like I was tied down. I felt like I did enough to, to warrant the move. If not end of the season, stay at York and, and, and go end of the season. Even, even that really, and try and get York, York promoted. But everything was out of my hands, obviously, until the Hibernian situation came along. And, and did that once you'd signed for for Hibs? Did that relationship with Billy change at all, or did it did it change with the fans? Did you, did you feel like it soured things for you? Yeah, it did. It did. It made it difficult. Billy was obviously upset, and the owners were obviously upset with the situation. But Bill just said, "Look, this is football. We'll just keep going. The direction we're going at, and you'll still play." Just try and get us promoted now and, and you know what, everything will be forgotten but like I say with the fans it's turning me a little bit understandable I felt like I cheated the club a little bit there 
but I was more looking out for myself really and my, you know, the future future for me really. So I was in a catch-22 situation where I either wait and see what happens or the club makes a decision or I make the decision to go in my own hands. And I felt like I made the right decision at the time, even though York didn't get any money. I do believe the, I think, um, Hibs offered York 100 grand, I think, to take me in in end of January. York turned it down and hoping that we get promoted and that would be my last season. Yeah, I think you sort of answered the critics, didn't you, with, with that hat-trick he got at Cambridge. Did you feel like that, those goals, because I think it was after a, a sort of short lean spell, but do you think that really proved the point to the fans that you were committed to, to trying to get York City promoted? After I signed, it was difficult because I don't think I scored for a while. You know, I did feel the pressure a little bit and the fans, just a minority of the fans turned on me a little bit. You can hear it in the crowds and stuff and, and booze and here and you know, Judas and stuff like that and you, you see it in the press and stuff. So it, was, it did get to me a little bit and that kind of affected my performance so it, it was difficult to try and turn that around and I felt like that, that Cambridge game was was one where I was like um, we kind of turned it around for me when I scored that hat-trick and it was like yeah I'm still here I'm still trying to do my job and, and get goals and get York City promoted because you, you're still a relatively young young lad weren't you really at the time that this was all happening it must have been quite yeah. a lot feel quite a lot on your shoulders it did feel like everything was on my shoulders at the time and it was I was still young I didn't know how to deal with it properly I, it got to me a little bit like I said my, my, my um, performance dropped after that, because everything was this, you know, I wanted York to get something for me, but I was left in a position where it was like, well, it's all or nothing. You know, I thought the ball was in my court for once and I acted on it. Well, 24 goals for the season. York came fourth and into the playoffs. Nil-nil at home to Morecambe in the first leg. And then the second leg, you go clean through on goal. You get to the ball first and you're absolutely clattered by their yeah. goalkeeper. A few questions I've got with this, really. You know, was he still lucky to be on the pitch, really? Uh, not red-carded. And you were obviously hurt. Uh, as you didn't take the penalty, but but how did it affect you the rest of the game when you came back on? Yeah, he should have should have got he should have got sent off. It was a da- dangerous tackle and actually broke two ribs in that challenge. I went to the hospital I, after the game and I got an X-ray and I absolutely broke two ribs at the time. And I knew I did something serious because even though I went back on, I, I wasn't the same player. I was struggling to breathe and my side was just absolutely killing. Any little contact was just painful, so I was playing at like. 30-40% which was devastating maybe because I felt like it was a game that we, I felt like I could we, we could have won and I felt like I could have contributed in, in, in it a lot more than I did um, even though I stayed on I probably should have came off I'm always up for the fight and looking back I probably should have came off but at the time I just wanted to try and get York City promoted even though I was you know, injured with two broken ribs <laughs> I still wanted to carry on and looking back hindsight's a greater thing but looking back I probably should have, should have, should have came off after that after that injury I wasn't, I wasn't the same player Yeah and it was a bit of a you know, sad end to your time wasn't it it would have been much better if we'd have got to Wembley and, and you'd have left your final game there but you know 44 goals in 93 games how, how do you look back on your time now at York City and, and how important was York City for your career in general I look back at my career at York and I have fond memories and I feel like I actually achieved something there and did well there. You know, to get 44 goals in, in two seasons is a great achievement in whatever league you're playing in. So I've always had fond memories of York and that's kind of kick-started my career really. After that, I you know, played up and down the league and it's all started from there. Everyone always says, I remember, I remember you when he was at York, he was scoring all these goals and, you know, it's always been players, a team that you know, everyone rem- remembers me for because that's, that's where I started really to get off the mark and, and make my name notice. Of, of course, you went, went to Hibs. Kind of a mixed spell for you, wasn't really? And I, I was mentioning there off air, wasn't I, before that I, I went and saw you play in pre-season against Middlesbrough, yeah. who were in the Premier League at the time. And you, and you seemed to fit in really well. I mean, you scored a hat-trick against Kilmarnock quite early doors, didn't you? You played in Edinburgh yeah. Derby. I'd, I'd imagine you'd have played Celtic and Rangers at some point as well. Yeah. W- was it just the case of that once John Collins, a, the manager who signed you, left and another manager comes in and doesn't fancy that? That's kind of football. Is that is that why that move didn't work out? Yeah, straight away. So, uh, Mitzel Patalai, 
signing came in, I didn't start a single game after that. Was on the bench, was in certain squads, in his office every every week, saying, "Why am I not given the opportunity?" And I was promised that I would be given the opportunity. Then I asked to go out on loan, and he said, "No, no, no. Uh, you will get an opportunity. Stay, stay. We need you here." And I ended up staying and still didn't get an opportunity. So I, I feel like it was sour, sour grapes for that one. And you know, I just wanted a bit of truth from him, really, to be honest with, with part line. And then we didn't really see eye to eye after that. Um, Saying that's football, when you know you get one manager that 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 likes you, and then you get another manager that that doesn't, and that was the case in, in that in that sense, really. When you know the new manager came in, that was me done, really. But I always asked for a bit of honesty, really. And you know, if he would have told me straight away and didn't really fancy me or can go elsewhere, I would I would have, and then I was trying to and persuaded me to stay, and I still didn't get opportunity. So it was, that was a bit upsetting, to be honest, on his part, really. But like I say. I always look, look at the positives and you know when, when I did start I, I, you know, I, stayed, I stayed my claim and got a few goals there I guess as well at that point in your career you, you're used to playing every week as well aren't you you've been at York for two seasons like you say yeah. you know scored 44 goals you, you don't want to be stagnating in your career I mean you, you moved on to Crew, and I, I think you had a few injuries at the start and I remember there was sort of some talk in the papers that York were interested in bringing you back on loan I, I just wondered if there was any truth in that or, or whether that was just a rumour I think there was some truth in that but there was, there was no way Crew was going to let me go. Like I said, I got an injured and I broke my leg. I fractured my uh, my tip in one of the games and I was out for a bit. But it was just merely just to get my find my feet really and, and, and settle down. You know, I think crew I think York and a few other teams comfort came in to try and set me along. But yeah, that wasn't gonna happen really. I think crew was was happy with, with what I was doing and was happy with, with me staying there. So and that's why that didn't that didn't materialise. Do you think you would have liked to have come back to York on loan, even if it was just to sort of give you some games to, to reboost your confidence? Well yeah, like I said, I'm always a player that I was used to playing. So uh, when I wasn't playing, going back to York would have been would have been perfect for me and um, to try and you know, play, just play games and get my confidence back real. And obviously it's a club that I know as well. So I felt like maybe I owed them that from the way I left. And but that you know, obviously your crew at the time wasn't playing ball and they said they, they rejected everything. I mean, you've had a great career since since then, and you know with the likes of Brentford, Birmingham, you know international football as well with Jamaica. I wondered who who's the best player you've ever played with and against in your career. Oh, that's a tough one. There's a few players, different reasons. Like I said, the Mark Convey one at York, he was vital for me. We had a connection and, and every time he'd get the ball, I knew he was coming. So when you get that connection with, with a player, that's massive. And then you've got John Terrell as well, Birmingham, his Spanish kid. I think he's gone back there now. He's great on the ball and he was the same. As soon as he got the ball, he was, we had that connection as well. So he was very skillful. But overall, I'd probably say... It's difficult to name one because I've played with so many different good players. What, what about defenders then who you've come up against and you've, you've thought, wow, yeah, I'll, defenders. I'll change out of them. Yeah, the defenders was probably, I think at the time it was Michael Dubry when I was at Hull. Played a game for Hull and um, played against Michael Dubry. Didn't get anything. He was just, I was just, obviously I was young at the time, but I didn't, I didn't remember coming off that game thinking, wow, if that's football, I've got a long way to go. And that kind of opened my eyes and get in the gym and work hard because I got absolutely bullied that game. Um, and that was one game where I thought, yeah, I need to do more. If that is this, is this what you need to to be a league player? I got in the gym and and started working on my physicality and, and protecting the ball more. And that kind of opened my eyes. So I would say definitely Michael Dubé played a part in, in that in that in that one. And, and sort of moving it forward to today, you're at Bradford City. Does it feel like your career has sort of almost gone full circle? Because I was reading that you used to watch them as a boy, didn't you? And supported Bradford City as a kid. Yeah, I used to go on and sneak in in the turnstiles at the end of the last 10 minutes of every game. And yeah, I used to watch them. So actually to actually go back and, and play there, it's always been one of my dreams. So yeah, I was definitely pleased to 
to sign when I did um, a year ago. And, and who was your sort of Bradford City heroes growing up? Was there anyone in particular that you sort of modelled your game on? Or just Peter Beagle, he was you know the winger, the tricky winger. He was he was great for them. Then you had Benito Carboni, Premiership Premiership years, and Robbie Blake. I used to I used to look up to as well uh, when I was young. So they had quite a few good players at back at, back in the day. But he was more more Peter Beagle really. You saw you saw those ten. Defenders in and out. He's like it when he's a chop in, chop out, chop in, chop out. So even though I was a striker, I was thought yeah, if I played with him, he definitely provided me with lots of crosses uh, in a game and, and provide me with goals. And were you always a striker growing up? Then is that always been your position? No, I actually started off as a midfielder. Midfielder, then I moved to the wing, and then I moved up front once managers found out I was quick. So and he just always played me on up, up front, and any balls down the side or whatever, I was always first, first onto them. And next minute, I'm in front of goal and, and scoring. So I think I got converted to that when I was like 17, I think it was. And I just wondered, you know, you've played in front of so many huge crowds in your career particularly when you're in the championship what is it like now for you playing behind closed doors it must be so surreal for every player but I just wanted to someone who's you know played a long time like you have what, what is it like for you personally yeah it's difficult like I say I've been involved in professional football for so many years now and never been in the situation so to, to, to go from one thing to another so quickly it's very strange and I think it's hard to adapt and it more or less feels like a, a training game to be honest there's no atmosphere there you know when you're 1-0 down and you get to like you know 78, 70th minute and the fans you know roaring you on trying to get that goal back and you get a little lift you don't get that anymore it's, it's like you, you've got to do that yourself now not any players used to because you're not you're not used to playing in those situations in the, in the league so it's yeah it's one of those things where we, we're trying to adapt to it and make it a positive thing and yeah, I think it's going to be the way of life for now though I don't think fans are going to be coming in anytime soon so it's, it's one where we have to try and get used to as quick as possible Does it make it slightly easier when you maybe go into a, a ground where you know it's normally quite hostile and you think well I'm not going to get yeah, the opposition <laughs> are going to struggle to motivate themselves because they don't have that home crowd there do you think that, that can sometimes benefit you? Yeah definitely definitely when you go to away grounds and get to some grounds where you think oh, it's going to be tough today the fans are going to get on your back and try and put you off game so I think in that sense it's it is a positive but I think there's more negatives than positives to be honest with you no know, fans being there especially with us you know, we normally have you know, 13, 14,000 people at our home games and that's like an extra man so to not have that there as well uh, pushing us on I think that's yeah, it's definitely taking its toll this season Of course and, and, and final question you, you know you're still going really strong at 36 I just wonder what, what your sort of final ambitions were what, what, what is your plan to sort of keep playing as long as you can I mean people say you're a long time retired and to try play as long as possible is that is that what's in your your way of thinking? Yeah, just trying to listen to my body really, and you know my body's my body's at the moment saying keep going. So I'm I'm just gonna keep going until my body says says um, that's it, enough's enough. So I feel like I I can still give a lot to the team, still perform at a decent level. So says I never look too far into the future. I always look at the now, and I think right now I'm still you know still active, I'm still I'm still quick, still still hungry as well. So yeah, I'm always like I say until my cup and my body says that's it, enough's enough. Then that's when I'll stop. Still enjoy it as well because I'd imagine sort of getting up for likes of pre season and training every day at a certain age, people will think, Oh, you know, I can't be bothered with this anymore. Yeah. But you must still still really enjoy the game, still love the game, um, as much as I've when I started. So that's never gone, and that's probably the reason why I'm still still playing to this day, yeah, at 36. Well, I'm glad you are, Clayton, and, and I hope that maybe at one point we might see you back at well, it might not be Boven Crescent, it'll be York City's new stadium. But hope you've enjoyed the uh, you know, discussing your time at York City. Clearly, clearly, like my memories of York City, and you know, they always have a place in my heart. So it's yeah. So when when I got the call, I said yeah, of course, definitely, I'll do it. Thanks very much.
Clayton Donaldson there speaking to York Hospital Ball. Hope you enjoyed that. Clayton's someone I've always wanted to get on the podcast, so I was really pleased that he agreed to do it. Thank you to uh, Lewis at Bradford City, who gave me permission to speak to him. And of course, Clayton for agreeing to do it. It's clear that from that interview that he had so much passion for York City, he's really still values that time that he had at the club and foundations that it set for his career. I was a massive fan of his when he played at Boven Crescent. He, he would definitely make my all-time 11 alongside Paul Barnes up front. Like I said, on the interview, I went to see him play for Hibs when he was in pre-season there. So followed his career closely. So I was really delighted to speak to him. And again, thank you to Planning Prospects for their sponsorship of the series. Like we've reiterated at the start there, got any land or property that you need planning permission for, give them a call or uh, go to their website, planningprospects.co.uk. And if that doesn't convince you, it's uh, probably worth noting that their owner is a massive York City fan as well. Finally, thank you to you for listening. Continued support of the podcast. If you can continue to spread the word about it, tell your friends, people who don't know about it. I'm conscious that there's there's people who don't use Twitter or Facebook, which is my main means for getting the word out there. So if there's any people like that, that you know, York City fans who don't engage with social media and you think they'd like it, then please do point them towards the website or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever they get their podcasts from, really. We've got it on pretty much all of them. So thanks again. Mm-hmm.